I look down on him because I am upper class. I look up to him because he is upper class. But I look down on him because he is lower class. <laughs> I am middle class. <laughs> I know my place. <laughs> I look up to them both. But I don't look up to him as much as I look up to him. Because <laughs> he has got innate breeding. I have got innate breeding, but I have not got any money. <laughs> so sometimes I look up to him. I still look up to him. Because although I have money, I am vulgar. <laughs> but I'm not as vulgar as him. So I still look down on him. I know my place. <laughs> right, the uh, theme this morning then is, uh, we're carrying on the last of this series, I think, the Living the Jesus Lifestyle, and it's uh, respect and equality. Two massive themes really in our, in our world today, 20 minutes <laughs> to, to cover it, so I'm going to have to do it fairly quickly. But there was all sorts of things in the paper and been in the, in the news over the last few days about this. Um, lack of respect. I don't know when you saw the lady now. If you go to Spain, you go to a certain cafe, you can now get your cup of coffee instead of being charged five euros. If you say thank you or por favor or whatever they say in, in, in Spain, you get it for three dollars, three euros. They give it cheaper because you've done it. You've shown respect. So that's an example. There were loads and loads of them. Equality. In the paper the other day, it says, how can we have equality still in Britain? Has anything changed? 50 years after that, has anything really changed in our society? Have things got better? I don't think so. I'm not really sure. But when we read in the paper again, one and a half million children in Britain live in homes without proper heating. That's at the moment in Britain. Can't believe it, can you? And, you know, respect is a key word. If you're in a member of a gang, I don't know if we've got any gang members here this morning, but respect is one of the key things. Hundreds of gangs in this area, all right, and, and uh, all around the country, respect. So what do we mean by these words? So let's think about them a little bit more. So first of all, um, I believe that the gap is actually getting bigger. I think the gap between rich and poor has got wider. I see that we admire celebrities more than we do care workers. I see that we have equality commissions, but I believe we have even less equality in, our, in most areas of life. So respect is for those who deserve it, not for those who demand it. I think that's an important principle. It's not in the Bible, but I still believe that that's an important thing to remember. So remember the Olympics, go back at that. We saw some lovely areas of respect in the Olympics. Do you remember Laura Trott? She thanked everybody when she got her gold medal. She thanked everybody who'd been supporting her, those who couldn't even afford to go out to Rio to, to watch her, but had been training her and helping her in one way or another. She showed real respect. Do you remember Latalo Mohammed? I think I got his name right, the, um, what was he, Taekwondo, winning, hoping to win the gold medal. In the last second, he lost. And uh, he, he still got the silver, but he didn't win. And he turned around, he apologised to everybody who stayed up late that night to watch him. That's respect. You know, I believe skill and, and strength are important in, in sport, but so are honour and character. Football, I said I'd have a go at football, I was telling somebody before the service, but football, has a, I believe, has got a major problem at the moment with respect. They've, they've acknowledged it, 
because eight years ago they introduced a respect campaign. All right, and if you go now, you can see. Anybody know what team that is? Shouldn't, shouldn't pick on anybody. Anybody know? Stoke. Okay, Stoke. There you are. You've got the Stoke players arguing with the ref. And that's a fairly typical scene. It was what's happening on, on the football pitch can happen. Um, it's only one little example. And I shouldn't really pick on Stoke because that happens all the time. But did you know that 7,000 referees quit football each year because of the lack of respect, because of the way they're treated? They are arguing with the ref and so on. They have that and they have to face that. And the abuse you get from the sidelines. I find it as well very sad that um, lots of children pack it in because of the attitude and actions of over-enthusiastic and pushy parents and uh, team managers and all the rest of it. The desire is to win at all costs. And that's what we're taught and that's what comes over. Now, as an ex-PE teacher, I really that, that worries me, that concerns me. At this very moment, you know, there are thousands of dads and mums and all the adults screaming and shouting on the touchline at their children. It's a big, big thing going on in our society. This is where the parents often are at the moment. They're trying to get their children into these teams. They've got this idea they're going to do really well and be great footballers and so on. But, you know, seven- and eight-year-olds aren't interested in tactics... They just want to enjoy the game. They want to enjoy playing it. So many children say, I just want my dad to stop shouting at me. Because that's going on and that's what's happening in our society today. That's the way things are going. I'm sorry to have a knock at football because I could have done the same in, in various other sports. But I think it's a, it's a real danger. So let's think, what did Jesus say about respect? And we'll come to the passage in a moment, but let me just think, what did Jesus actually say about respect? Any idea? A verse with respect in? Well, I looked in my Bible, I looked in my reference. Not one single verse. It wasn't a word Jesus used. He used other words. He went much further than just respect. He said, honour your father and your mother. That's much more than just respecting them. Honour them. And then he also said, my father will honour the one who serves me. My father will honour the one who serves me. What a promise that is to all those who serve in one way or another in our church. God will honour that work of service that we do. And then even further than that, God, Jesus goes much, much further than respect or honour when he gave this big command, love your neighbour as yourself. That's number one thing I think we ought to think about. When we're talking about equality and respect, love your neighbour as yourself. It's a tough, tough command. It doesn't say, there's no qualification to it, it doesn't say, love your neighbour as long as they're good neighbours, as long as they don't make a noise, as long as they don't disturb me at night, as long as they keep their garden tidy, as long as they share the same sort of values that I do, as long as they're no trouble, then I can love them. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, love your neighbour as yourself. 
So, equality. Do you remember Theresa May's speech when she was chosen as Prime Minister? Only a few weeks ago, she said, we need a strong, new, positive vision for our country, of a vision of a country that works not just for the privileged few, but for every one of us. The government I lead will stand up for you and your family against injustice and equality. Great. I think we can all agree with that. That is fantastic. We need to pray for her. She tries to see that through and see how that impacts. And already, I mean, I saw yesterday, again, looking at the paper, she's facing criticism. Because if you want to, you can, talking about having meals, if you want to have a lunch with Theresa May as a lobbyist, just pay you £3,000 into the coffers of the Conservative Party, and that's it. You can go along and you can have your lunch and so on. You can get access by paying your money. So, um, a struggle there, isn't it? And you know, she's ordered this year-long audit of all the public service to, uh, services to ensure ethnic minorities and the white working classes are not being treated unfairly. I think we all know the results already. They are being treated unfairly, but never mind, we'll have a big survey about it. Again, what did Jesus say about equality? Any ideas? Well, again, I couldn't find any references. No direct reference there from Jesus himself to using the word equality. But in Philippians, we read, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. I think that is a fantastic thing about the Lord Jesus when we're looking at the Jesus lifestyle. Took the nature of a servant, servanthood, humbling himself, death on a cross. That's what Jesus did for us. That is the Jesus lifestyle. And you know, I believe that true equality really will only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Galatians, there is neither, should be the next one, that's it, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The only way to equality is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's equality, that's true equality. That's the only place we can find equality, really, in a sinful world. So now, the welcome to the feast. We've looked at that passage we've had read uh, so nicely for us this morning. It's on page 1047. I'm not going to be very long, because I know we're tight on time. I did say 20 minutes on equality and respect and so on. So we've got to keep up to see if we can keep going. But you know, at the start of this series, John spoke about eating a meal where Jesus went along and he ate a meal with the tax collectors and sinners. He met with some of the downs and outs of society. But he didn't only meet with those, he also met with the others at the other end. And that passage this morning starts with a, a meal with a very different group of people. I've, I've looked at it in three sort of little sections. So, first section, the guest list. Who are we going to invite? 
Now, some of you had weddings recently. I bet that went an absolute nightmare, trying to work it all out. Here's how you do it in 30 seconds. This is for the overwhelmed bride, all right? Um, have you talked to this person in the last year? If you haven't talked to them in the last year, cross them off the list. Don't bother with them. Have you ever spent time together outside of work? No, get rid of them. Don't put them on the list. What about, have you, has your fiancé ever met this person? No, cross them off the list. Would you invite this person, invite you to their wedding? No, cross them off the list. And finally, can you imagine your wedding day without him or her? If you've got a yes for that at the end, then you put them on the list. So that, that's the sort of way that you do it in 30 seconds. All right, so next time you're organising your big weddings, that's the sort of thing you do. And I saw some other examples, and they said the other key point you need to know, who's paying for the wedding? Is it your parents paying? Then you can have loads more guests and so on. But there you go. But that's it. Draw up your guest list. So what's this guest list like for this meal at the beginning of chapter 14 in, in Luke? All right, and uh, what it says. It says that it talks about in chapter 14 and verse 1, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And this is sort of the key, I think, to an important thing. There we are. So it's a prominent Pharisee. Who's he going to invite to his meal? Is he going to invite the down and outs of society? Is he going to invite all the, the bad neighbours that we wouldn't like to have living next door to him? No, he's going to invite other Pharisees and experts in the law. And he's also going to invite Jesus. And he's also going to have there, but I don't believe he's invited, and I'll explain why in a minute, a sick man. It says in the Bible that he had dropsy. Well, I don't know whether or exactly what dropsy is. I don't think it's a word we use um, very often there. But that's the, the people he's got um, for the meal. The privileged few, the elite of society. So why was that sick man there? I think he was there not as one of the invited guests. I don't think he was there as a gate crasher. I think he was taken there to test Jesus. What's Jesus going to do on the Sabbath? Let's test him out. Let's see what he's going to do. And there, he got this nasty, it's actually this dropsy, nasty swelling of the body causing severe pain. He wouldn't have wanted to be in the meal anyhow in that sort of state he was in. So what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? WWJD, we often see that. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus handle this? Jesus knew it was a setup. Surely, they were saying he wouldn't heal some, someone on the Sabbath. Jesus answered carefully, asked them questions. If your son or an animal fell down a well, if your son had fallen down a well, if he was in the right state, would you turn around and say, oh, I'll leave it till tomorrow, I'm not going to bother? That's basically what he's saying. He's saying, no, we've got to deal with this straight away. So Jesus does heal the sick man. He sends him away. He sends him away doesn't even get invited to the meal. That's the implication. Not even one of the guests. And you know, that really typifies what this group of people, these Pharisees, were really like. And the experts in the law. Listen to a few words that come in Matthew. It says about these people later on in Matthew chapter 23. You can read it when you get home. They do not practice what they preach. Everything they do is done for people to see. All an outward show. They love the place of honour at banquets, which is what we see coming up. They love to have people call them rabbi, like teacher. Oh, you're so important, you're so great, and all the rest of it. 
And then Jesus actually says this, some of the harshest words I think Jesus uses anywhere to describe people. He calls them, you snakes, you brood of vipers, you blind guides, you hypocrites. That's what they're like, because they saw no need for a saviour. They lived by their own rules, their pride prevented them from admitting that there was anything wrong with that, what they were doing. They got it all right. Remember what Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, who do we invite to our meals? Now, I've got to find it very difficult, because we have a number of people to meals at the moment. We could be, today we've got people in the congregation we're going to invite. How are we going to deal with it? Now, preaching on this passage, because it's talking about, I've got to go out and invite the blind and the lame and everybody else like that. Don't invite your friends, because they'll invite you back. I mean, it turns everything on its head, doesn't it? Jesus' standards are so opposite of the way that we so often think of our standards. Uh, Gene Apple, who's an American um, uh, 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 minister in charge of a very large church in California. I've heard him, I've I've seen him speak and been to, um, not there, in California, in in this country. And uh, he told a a story. He said he was in charge of this very large church. How do I decide? And he was getting married. How do I decide who I'm going to invite? I've got all this congregation. What am I going to do? Couldn't think it over. So he talked it over with his fiancé. And what they did, I thought this was brilliant, he said uh, when they had their midweek um, prayer event, like we're having, I think, on Tuesday, all right, a little push for it, Tuesday night, be here. What he did, when they came in for the prayer event, people sat down and they were, they were settled there. And he said, uh, you think you've come to a prayer event? You've not. You've come to a wedding. And he then, just straight away, got married there. It was Las Vegas, he was in charge of the church, by the way, but (laughs) there it is. They had the wedding straight away, and he said, now, come through, and there was the banquet all laid out in another room. And they went through, and they could have their banquet. So don't miss the Tuesday night's event. I don't know what what they've got lined up for it this week, but uh, there you go. And that, to me, was a, a lovely illustration. You know, there it was, rather than having to go through all these lists and everything else, just do it simply. Those are there. Let's have the wedding. And uh, great. And then we can celebrate. So, there we are. Now, that's the one thing. So, the guest list. So, we think very carefully who we invite. Section two, the seating plan. Where do we seat everybody when they come in? All right, now, can you imagine the nightmare of seating this lot, the Queen? That's the Queen's banquet. You can just about see the Queen there. And all the people and all the fantastic regalia and everything else that's going on round about the table and everything laid out absolutely beautifully. And uh, I wonder what they are. It doesn't even tell you in here. The food doesn't seem important. The rest is in the story. It doesn't come in. You're not told all these fantastic men. You're not told what people wore. None of that detail matters. You've got, you're seeing behind the scenes, in a sense. But the seating plan. There's these people. They're coming along with this. They want the special places. They're jostling for position. People will pay to go and have these special meals, intimate meals, charity functions. That's the place you need to go if you want to be seen and be counted, if you're an up-and-coming person. Get your name down on those lists. That's the sort of uh, idea. It says, verse 7, the guests picked the place of honour at the table. They must have gone along and thought, I want to be there. That's the highest, that's the best position. That's what they were looking at. You know, even the disciples and even Christians can enter into that same sort of problem today. Two of the disciples we read earlier in the, in the James and John asked Jesus, let one of us sit at your right and the other on your left when you come in glory. All right. 
It's a big temptation. We want to be noticed. We want special treatment. We say, because I'm worth it. That's the L'Oreal advert, isn't it? It's gone on for 40 years. It's a big temptation. I'm worth it. It's not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? For all have sinned. And it, very strong condemnation sometimes. It talks about the church in Laodicea. It says, we are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. We don't see that slapped across the adverts. No, we see because you're worth it. So I think we've got to get our heads around that. The kingdom values are totally different to the, to the world's values. They're totally different. Special places as long as we pay. You know, we were going we went on, a, on a flight not long ago and we were asked if we'd pay £20 so we could just say, make sure we were sat together on the plane, basically, to reserve your seat. Each way, £20 there, that's £40 for the couple, £40 that, another £80 for the airline, great. You know, but that's the way they make their money. You can get your seat, actually, um, on the plane. And another time we, we went, I'll just mention this quickly, but we were going from Dubai to Bangkok and we got to the, um, the departure gate. We were already tensed up, you know, going on a flight. You know what it's like. And the boarding cards got rejected. And we thought, <laughs> grief, what's happening now? We're going to be really in a problem. And then somehow they took us through. And we were told it would go, they gave us some other cars. They led us on the plane. And they didn't really tell us what was happening. Only when we're sort of uh, there, and we, where do we go now, sort of thing. We haven't got, we don't know what the seat numbers are. Suddenly realised that we'd been upgraded. I don't know whether that has happened to you, but suddenly we were treated like royalty. I was given a little presentation packet. I nearly brought it this morning, but, you know, little things in it. But I still haven't used it. It's got useless things in it, really, but there it is. And a uh, little presentation packet, because we've been upgraded. We're treated like royalty, just suddenly, without any deserve. And that's what God does for us. He treats us like that. We don't deserve it. We're sinners. We need salvation. But when we come to him and we receive salvation, then we're upgraded straight away. And we're in a great, great banquet. Isn't that fantastic? And uh, anyhow, I, I remember I was just so tired. I just wanted to sleep. And they kept ringing out all this lovely food. And <laughs> Jen kept waking me up. And I said, well, I'm tired. I just want to sleep. It was so comfortable and nice. But there it is. And, uh, but just make sure. Don't worry about the seating plan. Just make sure that we've got this place in heaven that's been reserved for us. Bible says, come take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. And it says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Whatever you did for one of the least of my children, you did for me. So there's little acts of service. There's little things we do for other people. Don't go unnoticed. God sees them. And then finally, the third section, we've got this last section, verses 15 to 23, 24, sorry, is the after-dinner speech. There you go. So the after-dinner speech, you've all seen that sort of thing, the scene, you know. Uh, you've got to clap, he's trying to clap at the same time as yawning, but really it's been pretty boring. Well, I don't believe that Jesus' speech was like that at all. Um, it's totally different. 
when you look at through a, a, a really, but it's really challenging as well. Because it says, all alike began to make excuses. Let's look at some of the examples. One person, I think these are only three of the examples. I think there were loads and loads of more examples as well, because none of them, all alike, began to make excuses. Everybody had been invited, one thing after another. No. I bought a field, and I'll go and look at it. I mean, how pathetic. I mean, the field's going to change tomorrow. Is it? You know, what a pathetic excuse. I bought some oxen and want to try them out. Surely you look at them first and see that they're good and they're not sort of you know, lame or whatever you do with oxen, I don't really know. But there it is. And somebody else turns around and says, I've just got married, I can't come. Obviously you're far too busy when you get married, aren't you? You can't possibly go to a great big party and banquet. I wonder what sort of excuses we make when Jesus invites us. Are we too busy, too, ap- too apathetic, too proud? If we are, this is the passage says, the invite now goes to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. God chooses the weak things of this world to confound confound the mighty. So don't let pride get in the way of accepting God's generous invitation to the greatest banquet there will ever be. Yes, respect and equality are important values in our world today, but even secularists, humanists, atheists and all the rest of it, they'll all say these are important moral values. Despite all our best efforts, the Bible teaches that wickedness will increase until the return of Jesus. But I also believe that the injustices and the inequalities of this world demand judgment. A day of judgment is coming. Most people do not pay for their crimes in this world. They get away with it. But they will pay in the age to come. But the justice of God demands judgment. He is not mocked and we will reap what we have sown. Now I believe Aldridge has got a veneer of respectability. It looks all fine, lovely place, nice, middle class to go back to the thing at the beginning. You know, lovely but really what it's like What is it like beneath the surface? What are we like? What am I like? God sees our hearts and knows what they're like. As I finish, just think about this one verse from Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9. It said, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb of God. Fantastic invitation is awaiting us. Don't miss out on God's blessing. Don't miss out on God's invitation. Respond while there is still time. Amen.